Good evening, and welcome again to New Ostrog, the Canadian Orthodox Monastery of All Saints of North America. We're continuing our series on an introduction to Orthodox Christianity, and tonight we're going to speak a little about how we read the, the Gospel, how we read the Holy Scripture. Because understanding the truth of the Scripture really means having the meekness and humility not to rummage through the scripture trying to prove our own ideologies but really taking the scripture according to the traditional understanding that's come down to us from apostolic times from the holy and god-bearing fathers well people who actually spoke the koine greek in which paul wrote as their regular native language we understand that Koine Greek did not always observe the best grammar and that Paul's Greek was not very refined. Consequently, we cannot uh, look at scripture and look back and try to interpret it on the basis of a refined variety of Greek, classical Greek or something else. And uh, we find passages in Paul that cannot even logically be conjugated. Consequently, we do depend on the understanding of the Holy Fathers for reading of Apostle Paul. I've heard some Western people say that Augustine was the only writer in the ancient church who actually understood the Book of Romans. But, of course, that's not true at all. Augustine absolutely did not understand the Book of Romans. First of all, he couldn't read Greek. He read only Latin, and he had the faulty translation uh, of Jerome into the Latin. Consequently, he translated, or he understood the scripture from a faulty translation, unable to compare the Greek, and on the basis of the tradition that he had received through first uh, his Manichaeism, a kind of Gnostic movement, and Neoplatonism. So we want to see the difference in how we read the scripture and how it's read by perhaps others who don't understand it the way we do. And one of the reasons that there's a difference in understanding is that so many people use proof texting to try to prove a doctrine that they've come to hold or a whole ideology that they have developed. Now, proof texting means that you take one verse of scripture from here, one verse from there, one verse from here, you string them together in a completely illogical and disjointed manner and try to prove a point. I recall the story about Patriarch Jeremiah of Constantinople receiving a group of Calvinists from the West, and they were arguing about scripture with him and offering these proof texts. It says in Ephesians, and then again over in Corinthians we read, and then again over in Timothy we read, and then again in Titus we see little verses and put them together illogically. And Patriarch Jeremiah replied to them and said, the way you interpret scripture is very dangerous because it says in one place, Judas went out and hanged himself, and in another place it says, Go ye therefore, and do likewise. Well, it was a good answer. The fact is, when we look at, when we read scripture, a single verse of scripture 
has no meaning. The verse of scripture is taken out of a narrative and placed in connection with a verse from another narrative when the two are not even related to each other. When we read the scripture, we read the whole story. We read the entire narrative. And it's the whole story taken in conjunction with the whole picture of the life of Christ that has meaning to us. If, for example, we take a single parable and we try to take a verse out of the parable, what's left of the parable? And where is the meaning that was given to it by the entire parable? And sometimes things are misunderstood in another way. For example, when Christ says that the kingdom of heaven is like a, a, a woman who loses a coin and she sweeps the whole house diligently in order to find the coin and when she finds it she goes and rejoices together with her neighbors because it's been found. Now is the woman the Christian person or is the coin the individual person? Well, the coin obviously is the individual person because the Good Shepherd looks for, seeks out, the sheep that is lost. So the heavenly kingdom is like really Jesus Christ coming to find the lost coin and you're the lost coin. I'm the lost coin. And how does then the woman rejoice together with the neighbors because of the coin that's been found? Because the angels in heaven rejoice together with one soul that is saved, with one soul that is brought into paradise through Jesus Christ. So all of these parables, all of these stories, and all of the narrations that are given in their proper context are how we read the scripture. When we read the epistles of Apostle Paul, we're concerned with to whom did he write the epistle, under what circumstances, and what error or mistake or misunderstanding was he addressing? Paul seldom ever speaks of things that are being done right or when things are going right. Paul addresses things that are going wrong and being done wrong, and he wants to straighten people out or bring them to a sound doctrine. So this whole picture, this whole story, is what we're reading about and what we're trying to get an understanding from. We cannot take a single verse, take it out of context, put it together with another verse, and have any kind of actual meaning. All we can do that way is try to defend preconceived ideas and an ideology of some kind. So how is it that Paul says we're saved by faith and not by works, but Jesus Christ says it in the resurrection, those whose works are good to a resurrection of everlasting life, and those whose works are bad to a resurrection of condemnation. So be saved by faith, but if your works are bad, you're still going to come to a resurrection of condemnation. That's the whole point, that if you were to sit down and take the scripture, and if you wanted to use proof texts, go through the entire New Testament and write down everything that is necessary for salvation and for resurrection of everlasting life. And you'll find that it's somewhat more complex than what uh, people like to think 
because they don't want to have the responsibility of struggling and working out their salvation, as Paul says, with fear and trembling. So when we read the scripture, we're reading entire narratives in the context of the whole story of Christ and his gospel. And we're reading Apostle Paul's epistles in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ also. Now, when we look at the Old Testament, it's very interesting that Jesus Christ tells us that no one, no one knows the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son reveals him. So we do not learn much about God from the Old Testament. We learn people's interpretation of events that took place and happened, and very often prophecies, and we see that the holy prophets are very deeply, profoundly concerned with social justice. And when Christ comes and reveals God face to face to us, then we realize that he's concerned with the same issues. We'll have to continue later because we've run out of time, but we'll continue the discussion over three videos. Thank you and God bless you. 